You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring in news, interesting topics and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 273. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Aniko Harrison and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Hello! Hey, Sonesan! Okay! <laughs> How are you? Not bad. Not Very bad. good. I haven't had time to prepare for this episode, guys. It's... Oh no, what will we do? This morning, I got a, a phone call. Huh? I probably mentioned to you last week that I was on a television, uh, televised debate yeah. on uh, homeopathy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the same TV channel called me up this morning asking me if I was interested in debating one of the guys that we awarded with the Flat Earth Award not too long ago. Who's basically a COVID denier, or not not necessarily a denier, but they call themselves skeptics and realists. COVID realists is what they call themselves. (laughs) But, uh, wow, it was unbelievable. And I had to act very, very quickly because by tomorrow they need an, an answer and I had to do the challenge and I had to record, I had to put together... The wording and i had to record the the video message that i recently put out and uh i sent it over to the guy by email as well so we are waiting for his reply so by the time this goes out we will have known what his answer was oh well but the background story to this is when we released the list of finalists for the flat earth award they got pissed and they put together a press conference where there was no press whatsoever because <laughs> <laughs> nobody came, but they had it anyway. Yes. But they invited us to the so-called debate, quote unquote debate. And obviously we didn't accept because we said that it wasn't a smart thing to do in the middle of a pandemic. That <laughs> you who are deniers of the severity of this pandemic and the disease that the, the virus causes, I will not sit in front of you or amongst you while while you shout at us. Yeah. You're not even wearing masks. <laughs> yeah, and shout at us. So it's just ridiculous. And that was in a video message. But then the award ceremony came about and then they got awarded this Flat Earth Award. And uh, now we're here. So it would be, again, an in-person debate, but with the necessary precautions, Hmm. which would be dealt with by the TV channel. Because they, as I mentioned earlier, they provided me with a, a rapid test as well. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to what the outcome of this is. But exciting <laughs> to be continued yeah yeah and i have no idea if i can debate him properly because the problem is that all the experts have failed so far so many many experts have <laughs> decided to go on tv and debate him but the problem is that he has this debating style that is not even debate mm. it's not not a debate it's like a, a street fighter style kind of gish galloping mm. combined with all the aggressive moves that you can imagine and uh, now it would be an absolutely moderated debate. It's uh, something similar to the Oxford style debate. Hmm. So I'm actually excited to. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. But, uh, very interesting. But it is difficult. And it is. very often it may not be such a good idea. I'm, sh- I'm sure you should try it. But it, it, because it becomes a, a contest not in who is right, but who has who is best at derailing the conversation. And that's not yeah. uh, our strength, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, some people argue that we should not give them platforms. So uh, we should probably just avoid them if we can. But the problem is that they have grown and especially their follower base has grown so big. Mm. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of people following them. Mm-hmm. Wow. It, we cannot ignore them anymore. It's it's impossible. You have to go and get them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how are you guys? <laughs> what have you been up to? Yeah, well, interesting. <laughs> For my part, I was looking at the inbox the other day and we received a file from listener Max with an actual sound file on how to. And this is going to be the, the final say on this. How to pronounce <laughs> Marie Curie's birth name. 
Yeah. And Max says, uh, he says, greetings from Galway, which I had to check. Wait, wait, Galway? That doesn't sound like Poland. <laughs> that sounds Irish. Sounds like it? sounds like an Irish town, yeah. <laughs> it apparently it is Irish. <laughs> okay. So it's a bit unexpected, but there you go. It sounds legit to me. And uh, this is how you're supposed to say it, apparently. Maria Skłodowska. Did you hear it? One more time. Maria Skłodowska. Maria Skłodowska. That's right. Right. Skłodowska. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I think I always fall into the trap of pronouncing the L, although it's not a German L. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's not an L. It's a very yeah. strange letter they have that looks like a, a, a an L with a dash through it somehow. Yeah. And uh, a mystery for the ones who are not initiated. <laughs> I really find it fascinating that this idea got traction <laughs> yeah and, yeah and yes. it really works it's really cool no yes. uh, uh, please please l keep them coming this is this i'm sure we we're going to mispronounce a lot of uh, things already just even today mm -hmm. so please send uh, everything you have and, and thank you very much uh, max for, for sending that in it was it's much appreciated yeah and since apparently you are of uh, polish origin max and uh, you seem to be living in ireland if you happen to know any Irish skeptics that have an organization behind them, please let us know because we've been trying very hard to get in touch with Irish skeptics and we could not get a hold of anyone <laughs> yeah. of an organization. So the Irish skeptics are so silent that they, they're not even answering our calls, yeah. emails and stuff. So uh, if you know anyone, but please let us know. There, there has been one. Got, there was a, a podcast long time ago yeah, so a, br a brief podcast to uh, women. I rem I seem to remember, but that's that's long time ago, like six, seven, eight years ago, maybe. Yeah, a lot of things can happen in six, seven years. Mm. Seven yeah. years. Yeah. yeah, let us know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just imagine how much could happen in six or seven years if you think of what has happened in the last year. Yeah. <laughs> so. A pandemic came and destroyed the economies of whole continents. And then science came about and brought about vaccines. Woo. Yeah. And I'm very happy to tell you guys and and our listeners that I also have, an, have a vaccine appointment now. <laughs> oh, great. Whee! Good. So happy for you. Good for you. Yeah. When? Like, when is it? Uh, next Monday. Uh-huh. So Good. we'll hope that I'll be able to record next Tuesday, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, which one are you getting? I think it's Pfizer, BioNTech. I'm not sure. Um, it's not AstraZeneca because uh, Germany stopped do doing that for under 60 years old. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't care as long as it's against COVID <laughs> right. and not, and not uh, homeopathy or anything. Yeah, <laughs> Put that 5G in my arm. Yes. Right now. <laughs> yes, I want to be able to to do calls and Instagram at my school in the future. So please just give me, <laughs> just you know, give this, me. This is a silly idea, which <laughs> actually makes you makes you feel like you want it. Five <laughs> G in your body, yeah, right? And you get disappointed for not having it. <laughs> I'm starting to get hopeful that I will get a vaccine as well uh, eventually. Good. Uh, they have actually said, uh, first they said my age group would be sometime in June, but now they will start mid-May, they say. So it mm -hmm. maybe just a couple of weeks. Yeah, cool. Before it's my turn to get. Mm. Okay, good, good. Yeah, and it's um, in Germany, they also recommend, like not officially yet, but they, they think about recommending um, the vaccine for pregnant people now too. Mm -hmm. So... Like the whole, oh, no, you can't get vaccinated and you can't and you can't. This is just like weakening a bit. And this is good because we just need everybody to be vaccinated, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's, there's never been any real reason to believe that it would be dangerous for pregnant women to get vaccinated. It's just that it mm. hasn't been tested. So if, since yeah. it's not tested yeah. officially, you don't know. But there's no reason to think but that it's yeah. apparently problem. COVID is much more risky. For, for pregnant women that and that's why they true. say like yeah. Uh. <laughs> exactly yeah yeah you should probably get it get the vaccine yeah. and uh it's very similar to to what's happening with uh people under 18 yeah it hasn't been tested for most of the most vaccines and some some vaccine producing companies are about to start the the clinical studies but for example here in hungary the plan is that uh, i think the week after next week they will start vaccinating people under 18 so uh, that's where we are at the moment. Yeah. And guys, did you know that there's an anniversary today? Not really an anniversary, more like Ooh. an... 
Yes, maybe so. Episode nursery. <laughs> is it like a jubilee or? Yeah, it's a jubilee today. Okay, what is it? <laughs> Tell us. Well, we're recording the 40th episode where I'm a regular co-host. <laughs> Woo! Oh my fucking mm-hmm. god! That means that it's it's coming up to a year in about so three months, and you you've already been with us for a year then. Yeah, yeah. Like I think so. Like I I entered 233, so. Yeah. Wow. Good. Yeah. That is Interesting. amazing. <laughs> so good. But it feels like you've been with us forever. Yeah. And, and of course, you were uh, as a guest a couple of times before that. Yeah. Uh, you sent us yes. some yeah, yeah. Uh, small interviews that yes. you did on. I, was, I remember one on the street where there was a lot of buses in the background and stuff. Oh, like that, that was that was at, <laughs> but, that was at Skeptics in the Pub in Cologne. That's <laughs> and right. And there were trains in the background all the that's time right. with. <laughs> Very memorable. Yeah. Very memorable. <laughs> Yeah, but this is like, I'm just very happy to be here, actually. We're very happy to have you. This is to see this episode, it's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we have Susan to thank for that. Yeah. Right, yeah. Exactly. Uh, I mean, Susan Gerbeck. Yeah. Of yeah. the guerrilla skepticism on Wikipedia fame. <gasps> Talking of which, she did ask me to tell you all this on the show. I'm really hoping that nobody listens who's a fan of uh, our flat earth award laureate because <laughs> i put together a bit of a task force before we we handed out the award there are four guys and uh three of them have their wikipedia pages now two of them had not existed before we actually wrote them up and the other one the third one that i'm about to debate uh that guy has had his uh, wikipedia page for a while but i made slight adjustments to the page i mean I actually put a lot of the information about his wrongdoings on the page and it has been visited like crazy. So the 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 number of visits to the pages have increased significantly right after the award ceremony. Mm, that's great. That's cool. So you can actually when you look at the the, the page view statistics you can actually see the peaks mm. as things happened. Awesome. So it's amazing. The only the only guy that didn't get such a peak was um, one of them who's a Scientologist and his pages are so popular that Google puts them on the front of your Google search so it doesn't come on the front page it comes on the second page only that hit mm. of the Wikipedia page which is very rare for a- a- anyone's name to happen <laughs> that the Wikipedia page doesn't appear before the second page of a Google search that's very very rare usually it comes on the second on the first page and towards the top of the first page actually but i guess it it has a lot to do with uh how many page views it gets anyway never mind so uh this is what i call the susan method by the yes. way right <laughs> that before something significant happens that has a large media coverage that's when you have to be prepared because a lot of people will do a google search and they will have to find the right information on the Wikipedia page. Yeah. And just to make sure that people don't misunderstand, you have to make sure that the page is up to date and factual. You don't put exactly no false things. <laughs> it, it has to be validated with with uh, references and stuff. So it, it's supposed to be all on the level. And what Susan taught us as well is that it's very important, not only that it's factual and it's correct, but that there are lots of Wikilinks to other Wikipedia pages that can educate the public. Mm. Like, if we add the fact that they got the Flat Earth Award from the uh, Hungarian skeptics, then you will add the link to the Hungarian skeptics as well, and people will find out what the Hungarian skeptics are about. Right. So this is a very cool way of educating the public. And and, um, one of the slogans is that you'll be educating the world in your sleep. And uh, that's how I encourage everyone especially those whose uh, first language is not English, that you either through us or just Google uh, Susan Gerbic, find her on on Facebook. She loves people who, who write to her. And uh, she's always happy to get people on board with guerrilla skepticism on Wikipedia. So go ahead. And if you want to do that... Exactly. And you don't need to be a computer whiz to do that. Yeah. Like, I'm not a computer whiz. <laughs> so. No, no. Th- she will provide you with all the yes. I- all the education yeah. you need, the training you need. The complete training is given. Yeah. 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 All right. Anything else? Nope. Then, <laughs> yeah, let's crack on with the, the actual show. <laughs> <laughs> on time, I think. Yeah. And to start with, as usual, let's see what happened this week in skepticism. 
Yeah, and this week um, we have a very interesting European um, character, and that is uh, Søren Kierkegaard. I hope I pronounce him well, but uh, any Danish listeners can, of course, uh, come in <laughs> and and pronounce him for me. As a Swede, I approve of the pronunciation. I think that was thank you, <laughs> pretty accurate. Yeah, and he was born on fifth of May, eighteen thirteen, and died on the eleventh of November, eighteen fifty five. Um, he was a Danish philosopher, theologist, poet, social critic, and religious author, mm-hmm. and is also dubbed the father of existentialism. Because I have never had any philosophical education, I was a bit out of my depth there. So I actually called a friend of the fam- of my family, Dr. Matthias Engelke, who did his PhD on Kierkegaard. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so now you are much better educated. <laughs> yes, because he uh, he was kindly enough, took a bit of time uh, out of his day and actually explained a bit of um, Kierkegaard's theory to me. And Such a waste of time. You should you should have just gone with, uh, I've got a friend who, who has a PhD on Kierkegaard and that, that makes you an authority on the topic. <laughs> Right? <laughs> How many times have you come across that kind of yeah. argument that my wife is a doctor? I know what I'm talking about. No, you don't. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'm not racist because I've got a friend from. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's the same yes. thing. Yeah. Yes, yes, it is. Yes. But okay, so. I'm not following this logic. So. <laughs> good, good. Yes, yeah, so Dr. Matthias Engelke um, told me that Kierkegaard grew up in a very wealthy and religious family. And he also got traumatized by his father because his father was very dominant and also um, did a lot of philosophical debates in front of his child while the child was still very young. So he pretty much um, yeah, got, yeah, lost his innocence through that in an in a intellectual way. Way. His father um, also was a Lutheran and he cursed God when he was younger. And from then on, the family believed that they were actually followed by a curse. And sadly enough, some of his siblings died. So the whole family thought they were followed by this curse that they had to die young. And also sexuality was very taboo in, in his family, which led to, with, with other things, led to breaking him breaking off his engagement. Um, this had a huge impact on him. And um, he lived alone with his servant for a long time. And he himself was insul- influenced by um, Lessing, Martin Luther, or Martin Luther, and um, the Greek philosophers like Socrates and Plato. Mm-hmm. And... Interestingly, he found his literary side um, while thinking about breaking off his engagement. So he wrote a book about his doubts to to Mary called Either Or with three perspectives. And that was like a, a gigolo, a Casanova side, which can be also seen as the aesthetic state that he later claimed. Then the other perspective was the lawful man which can also be the ethics state that he has later claimed that there are like three stages in a life. And there was aesthetics, ethics, and the third perspective, it was the epilogue in form of a religious sermon. And that is the third state that he claims a life is um, following. So you can see that even in this, in this book, he already had his three states uh, of life, which were aesthetics, ethics, and religion. And, Interestingly enough, he wrote his philosophical works under a pseudonym and his religious writings in with his name. And it was pretty obvious that he also wrote his philosophical works mm-hmm. because Copenhagen was not that huge by, by that time. So they knew that he wrote that. Then he also tried to find ethic and faith and um, the whole paradox in the Bible. And he found that with Isaac and Abraham and the sacrifice of Isaac. Favorite story? Yeah, that's like the, the, <laughs> the best story in the best. Uh, like, that's definitely something everybody with a child should remember. Um, <laughs> uh, not. <laughs> Kierkegaard also believed that the paradoxes in the Bible were on purpose to make people want to work with the Bible. And he said that people had to disregard their rationality and do a leap of faith to actually believe which is funny because for us that sounds like duh yeah well <laughs> that's what religion is like <laughs> but for him that's this sounded more like this is exactly why religion is so important and what they wanted to do my friend also recommended a book that only later was discovered was written by him because that was one he wrote under a pseudonym but 
they only found that out later and that was the book on Adler and the funny thing about the book on Adler is that it's about a pastor who claims to have received a revelation but in the book he's very critical with people who claim to have revelations and uh, he says that claims like that shouldn't be done without due consideration so that's pretty much how i perceived it it's pretty much critical thinking mm -hmm. what he says there it's like don't claim you have revelations if you can't really prove it <laughs> so <to say. laughs> and kierkegaard himself was a very important character um, because he influenced christian revivalism they although only translated half of his work he also influenced existentialism he's called the father of existentialism And a lot of other philosophers like Adorno, Sartre, Wittgenstein, Heidegger. And Heidegger even drew his a lot of his concepts of anxiety and mortality out of Kierkegaard's work. And Heidegger's work fit neatly into, into Nazi propaganda, as you might know. <laughs> so um, you can see that the danger in some of the work of, of Kierkegaard was already there, but Heidegger, of course twisted it <clears throat> at the end of his life Kierkegaard turned into a Gnostic so material existence is evil and women are evil and everything like that so he he had a, quite an interesting life and and radicalized in the end and died when he was only 42 yeah so mm, quite young very influential very highly gifted super interesting personality <laughs> very colorful <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and brave as well. Yeah, so that was Søren Kierkegaard, who was born on 5th of May. And I think he was a very influential uh, figure in European philosophy, science and history. So, yeah, happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> happy birthday indeed. Wherever, however he celebrates it. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Annika. Thank you. And thank you to my friends too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Moving on to... Finding out if Pontus has something to poke the Pope for. Right, uh, a little interesting update on the Pope's doing, I think. Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk a little bit about Cardinal Giovanni Angelo Becciu. I love it when you when you say Italian names. It's when I try <laughs> when I try to talk Italian. I, I do the names very well. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but this guy. Betiu is a more and more controversial figure. He is a cardinal, um, or more on that later. His name uh, has popped up uh, over the years. I'm not sure I've mentioned him on the show before, but I've read some things about him before. So le let me give you a short background. He was appointed sustituto to the Pope uh, by Benedict in uh, 2011. And this, that's an important role, an important title. It's often compared with being the chief of staff to the president in the White House, something like that. So the sustituto is, uh, for instance, the only person that can actually see the Pope without having to arrange an audience first. He's basically in charge of the whole schedule of the Pope and, uh, and other things like that. And that meant also that when Benedict resigned as Pope, it was Betiu who was in charge of organizing the conclave to elect the next Pope. And we know who that was, Francis. Uh, but he wasn't a cardinal at this point. Uh, when Francis was elected, uh, Francis confirmed that Becci would continue as a sustituto, so as a substitute. Substitute, yeah. Uh, so apparently he did a good job because in 2018, just two years ago, Francis promoted him to cardinal. So that's why he's now Cardinal Becci. But after that, his career quickly went a bit south. In September last year, Francis asked him to resign without giving any public reason. And this is where it gets interesting, because in, normally uh, a cardinal who gets fired, uh, which was the case here, uh, they try to keep everything under wraps and, and nobody knows what really happened. But Betiu didn't want to do that. He called for a press conference instead <laughs> the following day already. And he said that Francis has accused him of financial misconduct and embezzlement. And uh, then Betiu was also involved in a very criticized real estate deal where the church tried to buy a former Harrods building in London using Peter Spence money. And that's not right. Peter Spence is the fund that is supposed to go to charity, not to real estate speculation. Betsy, of course, on the press conference claimed that he had done nothing uh, wrong. He hadn't done anything wrong. 
instead, in November, he filed a lawsuit against the newspaper L'Espresso, uh, claiming that uh, L'Espresso had hurt his reputation and reduced his chances to become pope. Which very that's very interesting because he wasn't by now he wasn't actually fired as cardinal he's still a cardinal but he's lost all the privileges as cardinal so he still only get to keep the red hat I suppose but but everything else was away and this week this is why I bring it up just now is that he has filed filed another lawsuit against Rai R A I the national broadcasting company in Italy because they aired an interview. Not with him, but with somebody else, and he, he thought that was very damning to his reputation. It was he claimed that Betu was enriching family members uh, as a part of his job as the, the sustituto. Long story, pretty complicated, but the bottom line is that the Vatican, that normally wants to keep scandals away from the public eye, will probably soon see secular courts in Italy discussing allegations regarding a former high-ranking cardinal and possibly revealing some of the Vatican's dirty laundry in the open. And that is not what Francis want, I reckon. So we will keep an eye on this. It can become rather interesting. Speaking of dirty cardinals... <laughs> oh, oh, what is coming? Oh, my God. <laughs> no, well, Francis, of course, hasn't said anything about Betu. He's very sensible or wise in that regard. If there's a scandal, he never mentions it uh, in public. So he hasn't done that. But last week, he removed the cardinals' long-time privilege to have their cases tried directly in the Vatican Supreme Court. So now any cardinal that is accused of breaking the law will have to take the normal route through the first level of courts, the appeal court, and then to the Supreme Court, and then possibly appeal to the Pope himself. But he, it seems like to me that Francis is getting ready to fight not just Becchio, but also other, if I may call them, dirty cardinals. <laughs> it's almost like there are crooks and thieves in the Vatican. And Frankie knows that. No, that's no, that's that's impossible. So stay tuned for further developments. (laughs) We will, yes. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you very much, Pontus. Uh, And I can't wait to find out what else has has been happening across Europe because it's just we are on fire. (laughs) Yeah. So in Germany. We're in a really interesting situation right now because the government decided to put in relaxations of COVID rules in Germany for vaccinated people and people that had COVID and are fine again. Mm-hmm. So like immune people, let's summarize that. <laughs> and they will be able, for example, to go to certain shops or hairdressers without having to present a negative test. And there might be other things that they can do that they didn't specify yet <laughs> and did they make it available only to those who have been fully vaccinated they didn't say that but i assume that's what it will be okay because you're not completely immune when you're only first like with the first dose mm-hmm. you're not completely immune not even after the second dose that's right even if that's right. very very unlikely yeah but you are even less immune most less, of only yeah. the first dose yeah. <laughs> yeah the maximum level of immunity that you can achieve is after at least second doses. Yes, exactly. That's how we should put it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and other people feel that they're treated unfairly. So there's even a German compound word already coined (laughs) that is called Impfneid. So vaccination jealousy. Ah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Because they say like, that's unfair if they can already go and we haven't been vaccinated yet. So it's really unfair. The problem is, it's not that they're getting rewarded for their vaccine. It's more that they're getting back human rights that they had anyways that we had to restrict because of COVID. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. they're only getting something back that they have anyways. (laughs) But it's also very difficult to say like, oh, you you, you didn't get vaccinated yet, although you have applied for it. So these people will get treated differently. So I think it's a very difficult thing mm-hmm. um, ethically for in both directions. <laughs> so I can understand that it's um, also a very hot topic for, for the government. What do you guys think? Like, how would you decide and how would you feel? <laughs> yeah, but I, I think it's so silly to say they, they take it so personal. Yes. But, and of course, in a way, it is personal. But mm-hmm. 
your rights to be out on the street is that you or in the shops or in the barber shops or wherever is uh, depending on you if you are a threat to other people or not. Yes. And even if you can't help being a threat, of course we can't let you go there. It's not about being mean to you, <laughs> Mr. Vaccine Jealousy Guy. It is that <laughs> you are unfortunately now dangerous until you've had the vaccine. Yeah. Well, not necessarily dangerous, but risky. Yeah, yeah. okay, <laughs> I mean, all right. Yeah. You're a risk to other people. That's yeah, how and it should. also, yeah. it doesn't mean that you can't go to a hairdresser or to like a do-it-yourself shop or something. You just have to present a negative test. So it's just like a nuisance. You just, it's just a bit more work yeah, to that's do even, it. Yeah, even more crazy to me i think people are so self-absorbed <laughs> and have no consideration for their in, uh, fellow people that i i'm i'm just i don't know what to say <laughs> well i think like i have to confess that i also felt a tiny bit jealous for a second when i heard like everybody got vaccinated on social media and everything and i was just like damn i also want to get vaccinated but then i thought like i hesitated and i took my time and i thought about it and then i was like well People that got vaccinated before, they're either older or have a riskier job or are sick or something, you know, like there's a reason why they get vaccinated. And then I was like, huh, maybe I shouldn't get be jealous, you know. No, but but I am jealous too, in a way. I, I also want to do all of these things, but I understand why I can't. And I can take yeah. I can take it. I mean I That's right. Okay, for the good of my fellow men or people, I can't do certain things until I've gotten the vaccination. I, I think it's so obvious. Yes. And I don't know why people are being so uh, <laughs> petty about it it's just life it's nothing else but being a responsible adult yeah right yeah so, right exactly but we know that this that's difficult for a lot of adults anyways <laughs> to be responsible yes <laughs> yeah. to be responsible yeah yes and mature yeah. and mature Yes, yeah, speaking of being ir irresponsible <laughs> okay uh n not about covid this time but just a little bit of background i've been around uh, the skeptic movement for a long time so it's not that often anymore that I hear of new scams, and that is, of course, so-called alternative medicine. It's mainly a lineup always that I hear about all the usual suspects like Reiki, homeopathy, cupping, or whatever, you, you things like that. I've heard it all before, I think. But uh, there is one area of scam that regularly try to reinvent its uh, bullshit, and that is acupuncture. For most people, they think that acupuncture is just this one single thing and presumably very well defined, but that's far from true. Uh, because if you count so-called electroacupuncture as one thing, that, that's one thing. But then you think all the other uh, acupuncture is the same thing. But it's not. There are thousands of variants. Uh, short needles, long needles, super long needles, gold needles. <laughs> uh, needles that you leave in place for a while, even forever. That is a thing. Uh, wow. That you just put the needles there and then you just leave them there and hopefully... Did you mean piercing? <laughs> it could be piercing, but it's not for um, aesthetic purposes. It's just, well, they assume that this is a sort of treatment, which has never been proved. And then, counting all the different kinds of needles, you, of course you have the, the issue of where you should put the needles. Because I bet you, you couldn't find two acupuncturists that agree on the mythological meridians that supposedly goes across the body. Or where along those fictional lines that the actual acupuncture points are. But there is a new version, believe it or not. And a real ugly one too. And it's called... Thread Embedding Acupuncture Treatment, or TEAT, which I think is a silly <laughs> acronym because I am just 12 years old. But anyway, TEAT <laughs> uh, uh, involves inserting a thread together with a needle and leaving that in place for weeks or even months. It's supposed to stimulate the so-called acupuncture point for a long time, and that, that's the idea. And there are even at least two variants of that. There's a sporadic embedding and there is linear embedding. Sporadic is when you just push the thread inward about up to two centimeters into the body. That's, that's far. Uh. That, that hurts even when I think about it. Uh, 
Well, that can, that can actually do a lot of harm. Of course it I can. Mean, two I would, centimeters is deep. Yeah, I will come to that. Wow. Yeah. No, but we have have this. I I, I know I re- reported maybe it's two years ago, I or a year and a half, about somebody in Sweden who got a punctured lung out of uh, acupuncture. So don't stick those needles. Which you can do Ugh. if you stick it two centimeters deep. That yeah, you can right. Do. Yes. Oh my god. So that that's one sporadic. You just put it in place. But linear embedding is when you sort of put the thread sideways beneath the skin for up to uh, 10 centimeters. Does it sound like a good idea to you to put in a a thread of some kind and just leave it there for months or weeks? No. No. (laughs) Well, if there's a reason for it, like if you had surgery... Surgery, yes. Then, then yes. But apart from... And a real medical reason, no. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But apart from prosthetics, what can you think of in terms of surgery that has to stay in for an elongated period of time? Nothing. Uh, no, no, really. exactly. <laughs> right. Nothing made of metal. Mm, maybe birth control. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, a spiral. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. But that's all I can, like, all... <laughs> right. <laughs> but even that, you have to be a little bit careful with. Yeah, So that's right. And, and you have a proper medical yes, person exactly. who does it's also it. also a medical reason. <laughs> exact, because if you... I always go to... My go-to thinking when I think about acupuncture is that when you Google acupuncture pictures of acupuncture there's one thing that you will notice that maybe one picture in 10 depicts the practitioner actually wearing gloves they're not then they they don't seem to believe in germ theory and to have that kind of people pushing threads into you and to leave them in place for weeks seems very very dangerous to me you you get infections and stuff so there was a, a meta study looking into 61 papers to see what the adverse effects were uh, with teeth and uh, what was reported as as adverse effects. And they found that there were a lot of side effects. There were induration, bleeding, ecumosis, uh, redness and swelling, fever and of course pain. So it doesn't seem very harmless to me. And even the acupuncture business seemed to agree, actually. Because when I googled the term on more commercial sites to see who were having these treatments or offering these treatments, even a pro-acupuncture site contained a disclaimer towards the end of the section or of an article where they described what teat was. <laughs> and it said, quote, However, the traditional acupuncture is more affordable, less painful, and safer. End quote. And none of it works, by the way. Did I mention? Yeah, and it's yeah. but it it makes an equal amount of sense. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to compare them really. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I can't just can't stop thinking about these threads of different kinds that are festering into the body of people, and you leave them there for weeks and months, and it's just. The inflammation just grows and it gets infected and blah. Yeah, and Uh, I'm just thinking if it's something like body modification, then you know that it's body modification and then you want it that way. But people do that because they think they need that and they need it as as a medical treatment. Yeah. They think. Speaking of body modification, actually a lot of these uh, things uh, on on this was to uh, uh, reduce wrinkles. (laughs) But but the actual (laughs) side effect can be that your skin gets hardened and uh, disfigured figured more wrinkly so more wrinkly <laughs> or or maybe get so swollen swollen that the the wrinkles disappear but yeah don't do this guys it's uh nah. not, not a good idea i've never understood piercings anyway <laughs> i just point to my nose okay guys <laughs> right <laughs> all right speaking of which i mean piercings um <laughs> oh have you ever thought of uh, of how whales <laughs> Go about sex. Are we talking about the prince of whales or, or whales in general? <laughs> no, no, no. The animal. The, the um, animal, okay. The l- largest living animals on earth. Blue whales, for example, 
Yeah. I would say my guess is that blue whales have sex very carefully because they're very <laughs> heavy and I think things can go wrong if they are not very careful. <laughs> well, I have been to a museum in the Netherlands and they actually had a whale penis in, in formaldehyde. Okay, and how long was it? And it was huge. It was huge. Uh, I don't remember, but it was huge. Like I was I was still a child, but I was pretty impressed by the size. It was like longer <laughs> than I was. <laughs> well, a 10 to 12 foot long penis is not uncommon <laughs> among whales <laughs> so that is absolutely giant and the other thing so this is why i started by asking about sex is that in the water it's not easy so you have to have an equipment that is well very well adjustable and uh, if it has its own muscles <laughs> and can wiggle around to find its way in, uh, that helps. Okay. Now, what do you get when you have a wiggling, enormous penis that occasionally sticks out of the water? A mermaid! A mermaid! It looks weird, doesn't it? <laughs> Recently, in, the, in, in recent weeks, uh, there have been photos of whale penises poking out of the water, <laughs> wiggling around, and that have been circulating the internet. Mm. And, um, of course, things started to get absolutely weird, especially when someone came up with the idea sometime in April that uh, the Loch Ness Monster must have been an actual whale penis. So <laughs> there, there are several problems with this. The comparison was made between the surgeon's photograph that we all know of. Yeah, the classical one. And yeah. that we all know to be f mm -hmm. fake. <laughs> yes. And a whale's penis. Now, the problem is that, first of all, the surgeon's photograph is fake and it's well established that it is. But the other thing is that if we accept the idea that it was a whale penis, even if it could be, that raises the question of how on earth did a whale get into Loch Ness? I mean, it could go through the river, the Ness River, through Inverness, but very unlikely. But this brought about a couple of articles. Uh, one of them was written by Snopes based on the question whether the Loch Ness Monster could actually be a uh, whale's penis. But they started listing a couple of stories from the last couple of centuries uh, from people who were uh, roaming the seas mostly from, from Europe, to go around the globe. And they listed a couple of stories where giant sea monsters have been talked about. <laughs> and the wiggly and tales of these animals and the giant sea serpents, this could actually be behind a lot of those stories. Hmm. And one of those stories is uh, that of uh, the Kraken. Oh, yeah. Did I pronounce it well? Yeah, the Kraken, yeah. And uh, that's been around since the 12th century. And uh, that was a story that the king of Norway, uh, Sverre... Yeah, Sverre. I hope I didn't butcher the name. Sverre, the king of Norway, wrote about. That was a sea monster. And that is still a very famous story and the basis of a, of a lot of other new uh, fictions. But it could actually be that it's based on something real. And that could very well be a giant whale penis. And how giant... Uh, so we, we, we've talked about the, the, the penises. But some people even went absolutely crazy. And I've seen Facebook posts about uh, whales ejaculating like <laughs> thousands of, of liters of stuff. <laughs> and uh, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't go to the show notes this week. Don't click on those links. I think yeah, they're just don't. <laughs> <laughs> just don't. No, but, but just, just a couple of fun <laughs> facts. Do you know how big the <laughs> testicles of a blue whale could be? I have no idea. A melon. But, but, like, a, like, like a Volkswagen Beetle, maybe? Well, you're not very far off. <laughs> uh, the normal weight of the testicle of a, a large whale is between the 20 and 100 kilos. Wow. Oh, which wow. is still an enormous piece of body organ. And uh, Organ. <laughs> but the, the other thing is that it could actually produce about 20 liters of sperm in a blue whale in one ejaculation. So that's a whole lot of jizz. <laughs> and so that's quite significant. And uh, 
I'm just saying that it's ridiculously funny, but it's an interesting story. <laughs> so it has been circulating since I think the middle of April, but um, Snopes just came out with this article and I thought it was absolutely worth mentioning. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't help but thinking like this week in the on the ESP, we first have teat and then we have 20 liters of sperm. <laughs> yeah, what's going on with us? I struggle to come up with a segue to the next uh, item here. <laughs> I'll just go right into it, right? Okay. So, well, let's leave all of that behind and let's talk a little bit about religion again. So, Poland is a country where religion st- still plays a big role. And uh, why is that a bad thing? Some people may wonder, uh, let people believe whatever they want to, what's the harm, etc. But I'll tell you what's the harm. A lot of misconceptions and persecutions against people is the harm. Uh, And in this case, especially against the gay and LGBT community, uh, we know that uh, Poland is very anti-gay and also anti-abortion, by the way. Uh, And that's no doubt due to the influence of the Catholic Church. There was a priest this week that had to apologize for presenting homosexuality as an illness, quote-unquote, that can, quote-unquote, be cured. Uh, Be cured how, you may wonder? Well, with electroshock therapy, behavioral therapy, surgery. What the fuck? I don't know what that's supposed Uh to be. (laughs) Psychoanalysis, medication and other things. Homosexuality was described as, quote, caused by hormones, impaired development or mistreatment of a child in the early stages of development, end quote. Other cases include, quote, sexual abuse, seduction by adult homosexual and unsuccessful experience with women, end quote. So all of this creates gay people, according to this bloody priest. Uh, I wonder what he knows about unsuccessful uh, experiences with women or even about um, uh, sexual abuse from adults, maybe priests. Hmm? Uh, But there was more. This lesson also had information about marital sin. The priest claimed that contraception, IVF and surrogate mothers violate the teaching of the Sixth Commandment, which forbids adultery. He added that homosexual intercourse was sinful because it cannot lead to procreation. Well, uh, I just wish they would uh, shut up with this stupid nonsense. (laughs) You may wonder, and as I did, why do we have priests in the classroom in Poland in the first place? But apparently it's common there uh, with religious lessons that are hosted and funded by the state, mind you. But uh, the teachers and the curriculums are supplied by the Catholic Church. The classes are optional, but uh, most children do attend. Uh, So uh, this uh, tells you what the harm is if you let religion into the classroom as a truth, as something that every child should learn and that God has certain aspects on things. This this is the harm and uh, it should not happen. Uh, and it's not an there was another uh, short um, news item uh, from Poland this week the Polish embassy in Prague has recently requested that the Czech government intervene to prevent legislation that would make it easier for women from Poland to obtain abortions in Czechia so not only does the Polish government fight abortion as much as they can in their own country due to this religious bigotry but they also expect other countries not to step up and help women from Poland to get access to necessary medical care. I am not a fan of Poland at the moment, and I hope they get their shit together yes, fairly soon. Yes, please do. And just to be clear, we're, certain, we're not talking about Polish people. No. We're talking about the Polish government. The Polish government and the Polish policy towards uh, LGBT community, against women in particular as well. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got uh, good news, so off to happier news, I would say. (laughs) About time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) During our time of recording, there's usually always uh, something happening in Germany, which I usually only watch the recording of, (laughs) and that is the Ferngespräch. Ferngespräch is something I already mentioned, but that was a while ago. Um, That's something they started at the beginning of uh, COVID, and it's a bit like a Skeptics in the Pub, Zoom call, but it's on Twitch, <laughs> and it's also not with um, 
a GWP and like the skeptic uh, thing in the in the background. But there are several notable members there to be found. For example, Holm Hümmler, uh, Martin Moder, Bernd Harder, or Lydia Benecke, and others that are like not members of of um, the GWP. Um, for example, um, but some of which have been on the show. Uh, we've interviewed. Yeah, yeah them. exactly. Yeah. yeah, Martin Moder was on the show. Lydia Benecke will hopefully be on the show, and Holm Hümmler was also on the show. Yeah. Yeah, and there are others uh, like, for example, the hosts of the Skeptic Podcast, Hoxilla, and it's done by. Or it was invented by Tommy Krafweis, who is a German author, director, comedian, and musician. And he's also the inventor of one of my childhood heroes called Bernd das Brot, <laughs> which is bread that is talking and living, <laughs> talking about German, uh, weird German things, right? What they're doing there in the. But definitely German, weird German words. <laughs> <laughs> No, but what they're doing at the Ferngespräch is pretty much science communication and communication um, education about critical thinking. And they have a lot of different co topics that they've covered so far. Woo topics, alternative medicine stuff. Today they're talking about where are the limits of freedom of speech and like what can you say and what is just discrimination, for example. So they're... they're um, Filling and in the beginning they talked a lot about COVID, of course. Um, so they are they are very interesting for the German science and skeptic scene right now. And what you can do now, and that is very cool. That's the reason why I'm talking about it. Is that you can buy a Ferngespräch shirt now, and the funds go to the refugee help of the German Children's Aid Organization. Um, so this is an, a very good thing, a very great thing. And um, yeah, if if you um, If you want, dear listeners, <laughs> go and buy a shirt because um, you won't regret it. <laughs> okay, we've covered quite a, a lot of things there, but we still need to find out who's been really wrong lately. All right, yeah, so it seems we have a trend starting with last week's Really Wrong, where we reported about falsified Pfizer vaccines. So why go through the whole rigmarole of creating fake vaccines when you can sell empty sugar pills instead? Yay! Ah, like homeopathy? <laughs> Question mark. We do like that. Yes. <laughs> so the Schloss Apotheke in Koblenz in Germany advertised homeopathic Pfizer vaccines in so-called globulis or globules. These little small sugar balls that would fit perfectly on any birthday cake but nowhere else. <laughs> so, this idiotic pharmacy apparently had gotten hold of some Pfizer vaccine, and they actually described it themselves as a mini-drop, quote-unquote. I don't know what a mini-drop is, but they had a mini-drop of <laughs> Pfizer vaccine, and they thought, hmm, if we dilute this to infinity, we could put this dilution on some sugar pills and we have virtually unlimited supply of vaccine against covid yay fantastic uh, and there's there is a, a shortage of vaccine so then we can fix this by just diluting the shit out of this mini drop and uh, no one has thought about it except us that's probably what they thought the ad that they put on their website said quote We have Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine in potentized form up to D30 as globules or dilution for discharge in stock, end quote. And that's D30, D30, and that's 10 to the power of 30, which means it's way above, or just above, actually way above, Avogadro's number, which is uh, 10 to the 23rd. So good luck find, finding any Pfizer at all left in those pills. Uh, if there even was any at the, to begin with, um, nobody would be able to tell the difference, not even the, the same homeopaths that prepared the whole thing. Uh, a package containing 10 grams of these sugar pills was sold for 15 euro each, and according to the pharmacy in question, they had only prepared and sold less than a dozen of these packages over the past few weeks. But luckily, the Chamber of uh, Pharmacists in Westfalia Lippe issued an alarm about the whole thing. And there were also statements from the Paul Ehrlich Institute and from Pfizer itself. And the product, quote unquote, has now been removed from sales. Mm. 
I <sighs> that, this is so stupid. I don't understand it. These I are, don't. I don't even get the logic of it. No, because what would you so normally with a homeopathic product based on the principle of like cures like yes it should be something that makes you ill this would make you immune against the vaccine that's right right that's that yeah based on the logic of of homeopathy that's the case (laughs) unless it's some very convoluted weird twisted anti-vax logic that they're like this vaccine will make you sick and that's why they take the vaccine and dilute it. Uh, actually, the vaccine could cause relatively mild, but it can cause vaccine reactions. Yes. So basically, you could avoid those vaccine reactions, but, but that's about it. Yeah, it, it, it is <laughs> absolutely oh, I don't know. so stupid. I don't know. I have no idea. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but that's silly. Right. Yeah. So uh, let's not talk about these stupid people anymore for believing in the stupid magic which is homeopathy and for endangering people's life because that's what they actually did if you take this you think you're immune you do things you wouldn't have done other otherwise so for all of this the schloss apotheke in koblenz gets today's prize for being really wrong well deserved (laughs) it is indeed and that marks the end of our show however before we leave We need a quote. Yeah, hit us with the quote. (laughs) And we have someone to celebrate this week. I mean, the birthday of. And he's alive. And I really hope that it's going to stay that way for a long, long time. Yes. He's in good (laughs) shape. So that's Sir David Attenborough. And he celebrates his birthday on the 8th of May, 95th. At that, mm. wow! So he's been he's been around for a while, yeah. yeah. He's quite cool, yeah. He's seen a couple of things, mm-hmm. and uh, this is what he said. I mean, he said a lot of things, but uh, this is what I chose for today. People sometimes say to me, "Why don't you admit that the hummingbird, the butterfly, and the bird of paradise are proof of the wonderful things produced by creation?" And I always say, "Well." When you say that, you've also got to think of a little boy sitting on a riverbank, like here in West Africa, that's got a little worm, a living organism, that's in its eye and boring through its eyeballs and is slowly turning it blind. The creator god that you believe in presumably also made that little worm. Now, I personally find that difficult to accommodate and so, therefore, when I make these films, I prefer to show what I know to be facts what I know to be true, and then people can deduce what they will from that. Here, here. That's very smart. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It is. Yeah. Way and to it go. Goes back to the whole um, "Is God good? Is God Almighty?" thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and yeah. that is an example that uh, that um, Stephen Fry used yes. in his uh, uh, interview with the, the the Irish TV national TV. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Where he said that, what 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 would he what would he say if he was um, in the, the heaven's gates and and there was a test and he would say, yeah, really, worms in children's eyes? Yeah. How dare you? Yes. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> yeah. What's those words? Yeah. 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 yeah so uh, happy birthday, Sir David, and uh, here's to many many more. Yes. Happy birthday. And <laughs> with that, I'd like to thank both of you, Anika and Pontus, for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Also, many thanks to our listeners for tuning in. Please keep doing so. And until next week, goodbye. Tschüss. Hello. Bis dann. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments, or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know as we are more than happy to help. 
All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Shrub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe <laughs> She does the chip on going yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, the Apotheke in Koblenz in Germany is is that fairly well uh, pronounced? Yeah, yeah, both. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they uh, Germany. I mean, no, sorry. Yeah, Germany was very well pronounced. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, I'll say it again. <laughs>